，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Hi, welcome you join this webinar hosted by the Accounting Research and Development Foundation. We have honor to invite Dr. Zhang, the Director General of Security and Futures Bureau from the Financial Supervisory Commission. Let's welcome Dr. Zhang. 我们现在来讲，今年是呃五十亿上资本额。的大型公司，你要做永续报告书。那明年开始，二十亿以上的上市公司，你就要去接受永续报告书。而且现在从二零二四年，我们上市公司的年报也纳入了 TCFT 呃 TCFD 的这种气候相关资讯要做接受。Kathy, she is an international expert for IFRS and the Value Reporting Foundation, also SASB. And、uh, and today she will give us about the. A very broad idea about the ISSB and also the the future development for the ISSB standards. As I mentioned, those exposure drafts were open for comment. There was a 120-day period of public comment, and we received over 1,300 letters across both of those exposure drafts. So.、Um, When I talk about what we're hearing, it's a very preliminary view because we are still digging into those、um, over 1,300 letters. There is inherent in this sort of challenge、uh, a host of benefits that I think will be forthcoming. So give it time and please, please stay engaged. There are a number of、um, there will be more consultations coming, and we hope that you'll respond、um, and and continue to keep the conversation going because market input. Is going to be critical to laying a solid and and、uh, robust global foundational、uh, baseline that everyone can use. U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn on Thursday night arrived in Taiwan, leading the U.S.'s third congressional delegation of the month. In a meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday, Blackburn urged freedom-loving nations to support Taiwan. A fierce critic of China. The Republican senator from Tennessee tweeted her support for Taiwan in both Chinese and English shortly after she landed, stating that the purpose of her visit was to let Beijing know that bullying is not acceptable. On Thursday night, U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn touched down in Taipei for what is her first Taiwan visit in 14 years. She says her visit is a show of support for Taiwan. Especially at this key moment, making the long journey to Taiwan is a concrete demonstration of strong support from the U.S. Congress. This means a great deal to us. Senator Blackburn is an important force of resolute support for Taiwan in the U.S. Congress. It is important, indeed, that freedom-loving nations support Taiwan as they seek to preserve their independence and their freedom. The 70-year-old who represents Tennessee in the Senate is a member of the Taiwan Congressional Caucus. She has not only voiced support for the signing of a bilateral free trade agreement between Taiwan and the U.S., but also Taiwan's inclusion in the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. 
She's even co-sponsored a number of Taiwan-friendly bills, including the Taiwan Symbols and Sovereignty Act and the Taiwan Democracy Defence Lend-Lease Act that authorises an American defence lend or lease program with the Taiwanese government. From her arrival in Taiwan, Blackburn has been vocal about her position on China. As soon as she got off the plane, Blackburn tweeted in Chinese that her visit to Taiwan was to convey a message to Beijing that bullying was not acceptable. After that, she continued tweeting that she would continue to stand with Taiwan and fight for freedom and democracy, and that Xi Jinping didn't scare her. She also gave a keynote speech at the Foreign Ministry's Institute of Diplomacy and International Affairs, where she did not mince her words. The only way we can stop and reverse this rise of authoritarianism around the globe is to do everything we possibly can to make sure that authoritarians fail. That starts with sharing the benefits of military, diplomatic and economic power. Strong bipartisan congressional support for Taiwan has been apparent this month from a landmark visit from a delegation led by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in early August to a delegation led by Democratic Senator Ed Markey in mid-August. Blackburn's visit is the third U.S. delegation of the month. A local study conducted by five major Taiwanese medical centers found four major risk factors of sudden death related to heart disease. In Taiwan, 20% of cases of sudden death from heart disease are related to arrhythmia. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang got some tips from experts on how to self-assess and prevent the disease. Atrial fibrillation is the most common form of a sustained arrhythmia. According to statistics from the Ministry of Health and Welfare, there are 300,000 to 400,000 people in Taiwan who suffer from atrial fibrillation. A local study conducted by five major Taiwanese medical centers found four major risk factors of sudden death, and 20% of sudden death cases in Taiwan are related to arrhythmia. According to the results of our study, we found that about 20% of patients who died of sudden death outside the hospital in Taiwan were afflicted with arrhythmia. They died from heart failure or atrial fibrillation. An analysis showed that the patients were found to have several risk factors, namely SACAF. The S stands for sex. Male patients are prone to such sudden death. A stands for age. People less than 65 years old are more susceptible to sudden death. C stands for cardiovascular disease, and AF is for atrial fibrillation, which is associated with an increased risk of sudden death. Common symptoms of atrial fibrillation include palpitations, weakness, dizziness, difficulty breathing, chest tightness, chest pain, and sweating. However, doctors say up to one-third of patients have imperceptible symptoms, a condition known as silent AF. If atrial fibrillation is not diagnosed, it may increase the risk of stroke 
and sudden death. Doctors share some tips to prevent the disease. You can exercise regularly, eat a healthy diet, don't overwork yourself, and keep your heart and blood vessels healthy. How can you detect atrial fibrillation? We tell patients and their families that the detection is quite simple. Just learn to take a pulse. If the pulse is suddenly strong, slow or fast, it may be atrial fibrillation. The most important thing is regular checkups. The Labour Council orders workers to have regular health checkups. But if you work for yourself or are a freelancer, you may not notice problems that occur. And they could become more serious if you don't get regular health checkups on your own. Doctors say the incidence rate of atrial fibrillation increases with age. It is imperative that those who suspect they have the condition to seek medical attention as soon as possible to receive early detection and treatment. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Shi Bohan in Taipei. Beachcombers, take note. The Forestry Bureau has eased regulations regarding the collection of driftwood. In the past, pieces of wood stranded on the beach after a typhoon could only be collected after the government gave permission. In the future, relevant agencies will release lists of areas where driftwood collection is allowed. Artists say the new relaxed rules are a change for the better. After every typhoon, Taiwan's coast is left littered with driftwood washed down from the mountains. It's great firewood and, for many, it's excellent material for creating artworks. Until recently, driftwood was considered property of the state, meaning that nobody was allowed to take it off the beach until the government gave the go-ahead. That has now changed, thanks to an easing of regulations by the Forestry Bureau. Before, it was forbidden save for several exceptions. Now it's allowed save for several exceptions. Picking up wood from state-owned forests is still not allowed. It's only allowed on the coast and at the mouths of rivers, at places announced by the local governments. Taking into account the needs of locals, the Forestry Bureau has significantly loosened regulations on driftwood. The relevant agencies will draw up a list of areas on the coast and along river estuaries where collecting driftwood is allowed. Certain pieces of wood will be marked, indicating that they can be legally taken away. Members of the public will be able to collect any of those pieces they want until the next typhoon is announced. But there are some limitations. The wood must not have a diameter above 20 centimeters, a length of more than 2 meters, or a weight of more than 50 kilograms. Cutting or breaking it up into pieces before taking it away is also not allowed. You can pick up the driftwood and take it away. You can work with it and make it into a creation, a work of art or a cultural artifact. But if you want to sell it, we hope that you can make a record of it with the relevant government officers first. Easing the regulations is helpful, of course. Originally, you weren't allowed to use heavy machinery to collect the wood. The machines could hurt the corals and the plants. That approach is very harmful to the sea. I think it's OK if it's just people moving them. 
The clear skies and blue sea contrast with a gigantic driftwood installation. The sculptor carved each piece by hand, turning the wood into a beautiful artwork. Artists say the loosening of regulations can make it easier for them to create. The Forestry Bureau says that when using driftwood for artistic purposes, it is still best to register first with the government. What is something that makes a street cool? Perhaps interesting architecture and quaint shops? Well, it's hard to say, but according to Time Out magazine, the fourth coolest street in the world is found in Taipei's Dongmen area, Yongkang Street. Internationally acclaimed as a foodie paradise, Yongkang Street was established as a business district during Japanese colonial times. Its proximity to universities and the residences of government officials made it a mecca for the literati of the time. Its reputation as a food destination started in the 1960s when it had a movie theater nearby. The now demolished Baogong Theater brought in crowds of cinema goers. Time Out magazine describes the street as rejecting blandness for an individualized feel. It says the street offers an eclectic mix of businesses ranging from restaurants and upmarket boutiques to local carpentry and jewelry workshops. Good news for those who are itching to travel overseas. The CECC says it may consider further easing Taiwan's border controls in October. Health officials say they will assess the COVID situation for two weeks before deciding how to relax measures. Let's hear from the CECC. What we think is that we will consider easing border controls after this coming wave reaches its peak and numbers start going down again. We expect the wave to peak in mid to late September. If the infection numbers go down for two weeks or three weeks, we will determine ways to ease border restrictions. Officials have previously said that the first step is to reopening Taiwan's borders will be raising caps on arrivals. That would be followed by allowing visits from tour groups. Only then will Taiwan consider switching to a 0 plus 7 quarantine model. That means that arrivals to Taiwan will not have to quarantine, but will have to conduct seven days of self-health management. The Tourism Bureau says many countries in Asia, including Japan, South Korea and Thailand, have voiced interest in resuming tourist visits to Taiwan. August 24th not only marked six months of the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it was also Ukraine Independence Day. This Saturday, the NGO Taiwan Stands with Ukraine is holding a cultural festival to celebrate Ukraine's Independence Day in Taipei. The event will offer Ukrainian food, drinks, snacks, as well as the opportunity to raise money for charity. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the festival organizers to find out more. Always glad to tell our story. You know, the more people know about it, the, the better for us. Alice Kamenko, a Ukrainian living in Taiwan, is a member of Taiwan Stands with Ukraine, a volunteer organization founded in Taipei in response to the war. 
he reflects about the past few months. It is a heavy mind to think about that it's been six months of brutality and six months of our country being destroyed uh, without really an end in sight. Um, so I think it's a pretty somber day, but at the same time, yesterday, I went down to Tainan where uh, we actually had a donation um, uh, that was facilitated by the Presbyterian Church and some other donors. And uh, uh, we actually, uh, uh, they actually financed uh, 154 modern hospital beds that were manufactured by a company in Tainan in three weeks, uh, specifically for Ukraine. That really made, I think, uh, a big difference for a lot of us. Uh, to feel that on this day, we can feel that Taiwan is really, really supporting us. But it is a sad day. It is, the war has been going on for too long. Slava Ukraini! Slava Ukraini! This Saturday, Taiwan Stands with Ukraine is holding a cultural festival to celebrate Ukraine's Independence Day on the green lawn at Taipei Guting Lane Taylor. At the festival, there will be Ukrainian food, drinks, and snacks. A flea market will also sell gifts that will be donated to charity. A Lithuanian living in Taiwan, Migla Matalkunita, is in charge of cultural affairs for Taiwan Stand with Ukraine events. As Lithuanian, I would say like we are really grateful for friendship and for support from Taiwan. And also I'm grateful for support to Ukraine. And uh, I would say Real values, great values will win, and uh, all nice countries can be friends forever. As the Ukrainian community, our goal is to establish, help establish diplomatic and economic ties between Taiwan and Ukraine, and we've seen how our efforts here actually get noticed in Ukraine and make a difference. So that's another, I think, big aspect of why we do these events, is because even though they're not huge, the publicity really gets noticed, really helps people in Ukraine learn about Taiwan and see the support and will appreciate it. All proceeds will be given to local volunteer organizations in Ukraine. All the money we raise uh, goes towards supporting smaller organizations directly in Ukraine. So we work with our community to find organizations where we can give them maybe not a large amount of money, but it goes directly into helping somebody. We don't give to large international organizations where we don't know where the money goes. And we make sure that they know that the support comes from Taiwan. Organizers are inviting everyone to come celebrate Ukraine's independence and learn more about Ukrainian culture. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang, Shi Bohan, and Cai Tian Yo in Taipei. The Ministry of Health and Welfare on Friday launched an initiative to protect victims whose intimate images have been distributed without their consent. It will work with a network of ministry officials, NGOs, as well as online platforms where images can be shared. Intimate images typically include photographs and videos in which people are nude, partially nude, or engaging in sexual activities. Though sometimes the image were taken consensually, their distribution may not necessarily be consensual. A lawmaker at the launch event said she hoped the legislation can be passed as soon as possible to protect victims. Together, they announced the launch of a network to help victims whose intimate images have been distributed without their consent. 
The Ministry of Health and Welfare has brought together non-governmental organizations and operators of online image-sharing platforms to put an end to this abuse so that victims can be protected. Although I am a public figure and a lawmaker, when I was mistreated and hurt in that way, I was full of doubts on what to do. When I decided to speak up, I realized there were many people who were on my side. DPP lawmaker Gao Jiayu previously opened up about the physical abuse she suffered at the hands of her ex-boyfriend, who also shared intimate pictures of her without her consent. Gao says victims of such treatment should not be afraid to seek help. She voiced hope that the government would pass legislation on the matter soon to provide a legal system to protect victims. Many sexual images are filmed or shot voluntarily and consensually. I hope that in the future laws can be amended to make up for the lack of coverage over crimes involving these kinds of images. In 2011, the Department of Protective Services launched a plan with the Taipei Computer Association. It helps victims take down images from the internet as fast as possible. Whenever we receive intimate images from someone, we should know not to disseminate them. Distributing the images is a crime and, of course, harms the victims. According to the Ministry of Health and Welfare, this year until July, 150 people sought government assistance in cases involving intimate images. More than 70% of the victims were women, and the cases involved more than 800 websites. The ministry reports that contacting the website host to remove the images was successful in about 70% of cases. Former UMC chairman Robert Tao says he has applied to restore his Taiwanese citizenship. He says he has decided it would be better to die in Taiwan than stand by and helplessly watch it become another Hong Kong. Though Tao was previously known for being an advocate of unification with China, he has become very critical of the CCP in recent public appearances. The semiconductor magnet originally became a Singapore national in 2011. You still retain your Singaporean citizenship. Could there be a problem with that? It will be resolved in two days. Then my ROC citizenship will be restored. Robert Sal, the former chairman of semiconductor maker UMC, revealed in an interview that he had applied to restore his Taiwanese citizenship. If you tell everyone else to be anti-communist, you can't hide yourself away. Taiwanese people need a morale boost, and my return today has a symbolic meaning. Now many people may think about fleeing as soon as possible if China attacks. But I have decided I will die in Taiwan, not in some other country. Cao has not only decided he will live or die with Taiwan, he has also predicted three scenarios for his own death. The first way I may die will be as a result of illness. Nothing you can do about that. The second way will be from dying of laughter as I watch the collapse of the Communist Party of China and see all the crimes exposed and denounced by the entire Chinese people. The third way will be dying in battle. I will never let myself live and see Taiwan become another Hong Kong. 
Tsao now says he's avowedly anti-communist. However, in 2007, he published a cross-strait peace law and pushed for a referendum on unification with China. In 2011, he became a citizen of Singapore. More recently, after China's military exercises around Taiwan in August, he announced a 3 million NT donation in support of Taiwan's defence. Now he says he is giving up his Singaporean citizenship, appearing on TV sporting bulletproof vests. You need to give up some benefits to win freedom. In 2019, I saw the Communist Party in Hong Kong openly beating ordinary citizens. What kind of world is this? They are such thugs. I said, no, this is not on. I must make a stand and oppose the communists. I have cut off all kinds of connections that I made in Hong Kong, Macau and mainland China. I don't need them. There's no going back. I will oppose the communists. From his lavish donation to restoring his Taiwanese citizenship, Cao is showing he's determined to stand up for the nation. KMT Vice Chairman Andrew Xia met with Chen Yuanfeng, the deputy head of China's Taiwan Affairs Office, last night in Shanghai. Critics say the meeting goes against KMT promises that Xia would not meet with any high-ranking CCP officials during his trip to China. Premier Su Zhenchang weighed in on the matter on Friday. He said he was going to China to help local Taiwanese businesses with problems, not to meet Chinese officials. In the end, he's met Chinese officials without solving any problems for businesses. The KMT says Xia used his time in China to protest China's military activities near Taiwan. But that doesn't seem to have deterred Beijing, which went ahead with two days of military exercises off the coast of Fujian province on Friday. Xia is scheduled to return to Taiwan on the second day of the exercises on Saturday.